Hey there, welcome back to Grace for Your Journey. This is Pastor Terry. So glad that you're here. If you're new, welcome on in. Hope you'll make this a daily habit for sure. Well, we're in the book of 1 Kings. Now again, why would you say 1 Kings? There's a lot of books to study. Why 1 Kings? Because here's what we know. People have the tendency to slide away from the Lord. It's just true. I have that tendency. You have that tendency. I mean, just sort of happens, right? That's just sort of how it works. Also, churches, because people slide away from the Lord, churches can slide away from the Lord. Well, the people of God in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, slid away from the Lord during First and Second Kings. And so what we're going to discover and what we've already discovered is, is what happens as the slide occurs. What goes on that makes the slide happen? So if you don't want to slide away from the Lord, if you want to stay tracking with the Lord in all of your ways, then First and Second Kings is a great place to start. So we're going to be looking at this and we're in chapter three. Let me tell you what's happened. David has died. Solomon, his son, has become king. He, uh, he uh, was able to hold off an attempt on the throne already from his brother. And, and so a lot of people had to go. And so if you were with us for some of the previous episodes, there was a lot of killing going on, a lot of cleaning house. And now we're in chapter three. Listen to what's going on with Solomon. Now Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and then the wall around Jerusalem. And the people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built in the name of the Lord. So here's what's happened. He's sort of cleaned house. He's got everybody out of office that need to get out of office. It says at the end of chapter two that his throne was established, his kingdom was established, his reign was fixed. And so he begins by making a political alliance with Pharaoh. Now, it's not new. Uh, that's been done throughout ancient history. Uh, great men of power, great leaders, great nations would try to forge friendships uh, with other kingdoms, of course, because you wanted peace if you can have it, right? And so how do you do it? The best way to do it is to marry the Pharaoh's daughter because <laughs> he may want to kill you, but he doesn't want to kill his daughter's husband, right? It's sort of how that works. And then when grandchildren come along, you know, they really doesn't want to kill his his his, uh, his offspring either. So it builds an alliance. And so this is exactly what um, Solomon does. He, he, and he, he would do that a lot. Uh, before Solomon's death, he would have 300 wives and 600 concubines. Now that's a lot of in-laws. <laughs> that's a, And most of those, really almost all of those were political alliances. He probably didn't love many of them, uh, but he did it um, to help establish this kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and establish peace with his neighbors and trading partners and people like that. So then the second thing it says right here that's interesting, at the very beginning of chapter 3, it said that the people of God were sacrificing at the high places. However, because no house had yet been built in the name of the Lord. Now, the high places were um, temples, temples of worship dedicated to different types of gods, usually local gods or regional gods, but they were high places. They were very fancy. They were for the up, the upwardly mobile. They were where all the leaders would go and would worship to different gods. So the people of God had already started drifting from when David was there. Look, they were, they were going to these pagan temples and offering sacrifices. Now, it said they were doing this because there wasn't a place yet built for the name of God. In the name of God, the temple had not been built. Remember, David wanted to do it. Couldn't do it because he was a man of war. So God said, no, you can't do it, David, but your son Solomon can. So they were worshiping false gods. Now, I'm not letting them off the hook for that. But let's understand something. People are going to worship something. 
might be the true and living God. We pray that it is. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. So people learn how to worship the true and living God. Well, it might be a false God, but built within man is the desire, not the, just the capacity to worship, but the desire to worship. They want to recognize something higher than themselves. It's part of our human experience. C.S. Lewis would say, this is part of the universal conscience of man, is that we want to worship something. We want to reach upward and outward. We know intuitively that there is something beyond us. Every culture, every tribe, right, every group has some type of religious belief. You have to be trained not to have a religious belief. Now, it might be a belief in nature or the moon or the sun or the water. I'm not sure. It could be a lot of different things, right? But there's going to be something outside of themselves that every group looks at and says, this matters. This is bigger than me. That's built into the, to the heart of man. Ecclesiastes, this guy, same guy Solomon, would say in his diary later on that man has written, God has written on man's heart the reality of eternity. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in other words, man is born with the capacity to understand there's something bigger than them. So what the people were doing was wrong because they were praying to a pagan God. But what they were doing was also natural because people are going to worship. So I want to ask you this as we end our time together. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the true and living God? Well, how do you know if you are? Well, we know that God from the Bible. That's the only way we can know him. So if you're worshiping the true and living God and you're worshiping from the Bible, here's what you know. You know he's personal, he's real, and what does he do at every step of your life? He gives you unbelievable grace. That's favor for every step of your journey. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, we love you so much and thank you for today. Now, Father, be with us as we worship you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God, blessings on you guys, man. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being with us, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Grace for Your Journey podcast. I pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. Pass it around if you think it would help somebody, and we look forward to you dropping by again for another episode of the Grace for Your Journey podcast.